Lord, we worship you this morning. A cross meant to bring destruction, meant to bring death, is what I hang my life on. All my dreams, all my hopes, all my prayers are because of that cross. I am free because of that cross. Lord, we worship. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, who takes away our sin. The Holy Lamb of God makes us alive again makes us alive again behold the lamb behold the lamb of god who takes away our sin who takes away our sin the holy lamb makes us alive again talked all summer long about faith, but you can never stop talking about faith because that is the foundation of our faith, is faith. But this morning, for the next few weeks, I would like to begin a series called Back to the Basics. Back to the Basics. Now, with a title like that, what do you think the basics are? Anybody? Yeah, you you saw the picture, right? (laughs) I was going to tell them not to put that picture up until I asked that question, but I forgot. The Ten Commandments. 
And this morning we're going to talk about the most important priority. You know what's interesting about the Ten Commandments? Moses didn't invent the Ten Commandments. They didn't evolve over the centuries. The Ten Commandments did not come about by an act of Congress, or for that matter, an executive order. No. God revealed these Ten Commandments to Israel after he brought them out of slavery from the nation of Egypt. The Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Now that sounds like a pretty easy given thing, doesn't it? But it might not be as easy to some people as the way it sounds. So let's take a look at some facts about this. Gods, little g, are no competition to God, capital G. To have, in this scripture, you shall have, the word to have, means personal relationship with. The phrase other gods is used 65 times in the Bible. And it always refers to the various gods and goddesses outside of Israel. Of course, for a while there, it was inside of Israel. Every other nation in the ancient world, except Israel, worshipped a host of different gods, deities. But the first commandment makes Israel unique. Now, does that mean that God is nervous that another God might come along who's better and more powerful than he is? Nah. Is this commandment assuming that we live in a universe where there are many gods, many goddesses, that they actually exist, and it's up to us to choose which one? You know, kind of like going to the cafeteria, I'll have that one and that one. No, I think that Paul makes it pretty clear to us in 1 Corinthians. He says this, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. Now the reason idols and gods are put together like this is because idols usually um, are there to show what a God is, whether it's a picture, a statue, or, or whatever it is. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Scripture goes on, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So the second fill in the blank there is idols 
were physical representations of gods. They just show who the god is. The sun god, there's a picture of the sun. The moon god, there's a picture of the moon. The Chevy god, there's, oh, let's not go there. Paul's not denying that idols exist. What Paul is saying is that the god or goddess to which an idol points isn't real. That's why Paul calls them so-called gods. Paul admits that there are lots of gods worshipped in Greek and Roman culture of gods. I never understood that. When I went to school, you know, we had to do Greek mythology and all that is is a study of gods. They won't let us study God. Uh, Let's not get into that, okay? Where am I at here? Oh, there are lots of lords worshipped in various mystery religions. But in reality, there's only one God, the creator of the universe, and there's only one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. So, from the first commandment, we find that the fact is, everybody, everyone, has a God. And I kind of cheated on this, because I wanted to put everyone has a God with a small g, and I thought, no, no, I don't have a God with a small g. And then I I thought if I put every god with a big G, then that's saying that other gods that are supposed to have a small G, you know what I'm saying? So I just capitalized the whole thing. (laughs) Twice, because I did it a couple times. (laughs) Well, the French mathematician Pascal was right when he said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. Martin Luther said that your God is whatever you run to for refuge in your time of need. So I'm going to name three gods, prominent gods in our culture today. And please, hear me out. These don't have to be gods, but a lot of people set them up as gods. Okay, they don't have to be gods. So one of the more popular gods is the god of success. And it's not wrong to be successful, so please don't get me wrong on this. But there's an obsession with people with success. It's no less, than the, no less religious than those in the ancient world who worshiped Zeus. Women and men who pursue this God often sacrifice their integrity and they abandon their own families to claw their way to the top. Success is a God when the ladder of success is riddled with broken lives that have served this false God. Then there's the God of pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with pleasure. But perhaps more smoke has gone up to the God of pleasure in the 20th century and now the 21st century than any other God. I mean, people spend billions of dollars on pleasure. Like success, it doesn't have to be a God, but it comes when pleasure becomes an obsession. Here's what one person said. Said, even when I was an atheist, even though I was an atheist for many years, this was the God I worshiped the most. 
before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. So pleasure is the second. The third one, the third God, is the God of self. You know, we talked about faith the last few weeks. The God of self starts when we start having faith in ourselves instead of having faith in God. The origin of this kind of worship goes way back to the third chapter of Genesis when the serpent whispered, you shall be as gods yourselves. And taking care of yourself isn't wrong. It isn't wrong. In fact, we would rather you take care of yourself, okay? But we see this obsession that people have with the perfect body at the gym all the time or cosmetic surgery or, or whatever it takes, eating yourself to death. I don't know. But we worship self. We see this God worshiped whenever somebody declares that they have the power over life and death. And people do. They do. So the next point that we have deals with a question. First Thessalonians tells us this. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. This is the Thessalonians reported to Paul of what was going on. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Remember the fact is everybody has a God, which leads us to the next question. Do I have the right God? Do I have the right God? The Thessalonian Christians embraced the living and true God. The living God is the God who is able to impart life because the living God is the author of life. The Thessalonians believers originally had the wrong gods, the wrong God. Whether it be the God of success, pleasure, self, or whatever else they might conjure up, they had the wrong God. And of course they had idols, and these idols were sacred to them. I love, I love what Isaiah says about idols. This is classic, let me tell you. He says that the carpenter will go and cut down a cedar, or perhaps a cypress, or even an oak. In chapter 44, verse 16, it says, half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal, he roasts his meat, and he eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, ah, I am warm. I see the fire. But look what verse 17 says. From the rest of the wood, from the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and he says, save me. You are my god. Now, maybe my mind just thinks differently than other people, but he... Here this guy has this log sitting there and he uses this half 
to start a fire and cook his food and stay warm. And he uses this half to be the idol. How did he know he got the right half? How did he know that he wasn't cooking over the idol and worshiping the log? That's just the way my mind thinks. In our culture, we often hear that it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. <laughs> well, whether they call, we call God, Zeus, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, don't matter. These are all just different ways of talking about the same thing. Yet, all 66 books of the Bible claim there is a true and living God. It does matter what you call him. And this living God stands in opposition to the false gods of our world. This true and living God isn't known by guessing or tasting each God cafeteria style. Friends, there's too much at stake in how we answer this question. Do I have the right God? Do I have the right God to really trust in the sufficiency of my own thoughts and my own merits and my own experiences to say who is God and who isn't God? When the true God is revealed in Scripture, He is the creator of the universe. He is the source of all life and breath. And the only way to get him is through his son, Jesus. But many people, they're sincere. But keep in mind, many people are sincerely wrong. Sincerely wrong. Do you have the true living God? Or are you substituting a false and dead God in your life? Here's what Bill Hybels says. Bowing down to a false god is like hugging a mannequin. Well, the third point. Now, the way this first commandment is phrased, it sounds awfully negative to us. And I heard that growing up. Uh, the Bible says don't do this and don't do that. And, da, 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 ba, 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 ba. and back in my day, you know, when I was growing up, it was, there's too many thou shalt nots. Thou shalt not. Because we didn't have the other ones. We had King James. We had King James. But there is a positive of this. There's a positive to this verse that prohibits us. And God doesn't want, doesn't want us to have other gods because God wants us to have him. It's not that there's competition. It's where you're going to put your loyalties. He wants you to have him. And he wants to be ours. So not only does Deuteronomy provide us with the first commandment in its negative form, thou shalt not but also in the positive side of this as well. In the next chapter, chapter six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The true God, the unique God, the incomparable, matchless, unequaled, and unrivaled God. And, that, and because of that, our love for him needs to be unique, incomparable, matchless, unequaled, and rivaled as well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything that is in you, is what he's saying. Love the Lord your God. Now, Jesus was debating with some guys in the New Testament. And this one guy hears their debate. And the scripture says that one of the teachers of the law came and heard the debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him. So in their debates, Jesus gives them a really good answer. Now, how many does that surprise? Nobody, because he gives good answers, right? So he hears this good answer. And he asks him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel. Now, I think I've heard this verse somewhere else before. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Hey, we're going to be putting this on the wall here soon. This verse. Because this has got to be the mission of the church. The mission of the church has got to be to love the Lord your God with everything that's in you and love other people like you love yourself. That's got to be our mission. And that's the answer that Jesus gave. Jesus took this positive restatement of the first commandment as being the most important commandment. So here we find a commitment to keep. God deserves first place in my life. He deserves first place. Because of who God is, the living God, the true God, because God is unique, unequaled, incomparable, matchless, and unrivaled, he deserves to have first place in my life. He deserves to have first place in your life. Before, he deserves to have first place before our career, before our family, before our church, before life itself. And only as we place God first place will our career be meaningful. Will, our, will we be the spouse and the parent that we need to be? Will we be able to serve? We'll be able to serve our church in love. We'll be able to live life as it was meant to be lived. Our number one task as followers of Jesus Christ in the world today is to make sure nothing comes between us and the true and living God. Thou shalt have no other gods before you. Well, maybe the Lord's already been speaking to your heart this morning about this. 
But take some time to reflect on this first commandment. God will open your eyes if there are false gods in there somewhere. Things that constantly try to choke out God as being first place in your life. You see, the first commandment is the most important of the ten. And you know how I know that? Because it's the first commandment. You just kind of put the important ones right there at the, fr- at the front. So are you chasing after the gods of success, the gods of pleasure, the gods of self, or a host of other false gods for that matter? Today, God is lovingly inviting you into a relationship with him to become your God first because he is the true and living God. Through his son, Jesus, he wants you to love him with all your heart because that's the way you were created. Well, all the others of us, We've come to know the one true God. We know who God is. Probably most of us in this room. But we've put him in the wrong place in our lives. We've tried to add God into an already full life of competing priorities. You know, that's the biggest weapon Satan has that he has given a lot of people. I just don't have time. I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time. Somehow, God usually ends up on the back burner. We've drifted away from our most important priority of keeping God first and foremost we've tried to serve more than one master and it doesn't work because here's the burner and here's other burners and whatever we have on this burner is what's dominant in our life and a lot of times God is put back here and and he starts moving his way back up and something else gets on the burner and we kind of put that in front of God again he gets moved back one and it just keeps happening and keeps happening and we're not fulfilling the first commandment thou shalt have no other and just for today's lingo and because we don't want to admit to having gods in our lives so let me just get rid of that word okay Let me put, thou shalt have no other stuff. We can can handle that. Thou shalt have no other priorities. Thou shalt have no excuses. And keep God in the front burner. We've allowed our families our hobbies, our money, our career, even our church to occupy that first place 
in our lives that's reserved for God and God alone. That's it. That's it. Today, God is calling us to give him our exclusive devotion, to put him number one. It's time to get back to the basics. You shall have no other gods before you. Or if you don't like the negative, let me give you the positive. Love the Lord your God with everything you are, everything you have, everything. Would you stand, please? I don't know what else to say. It's pretty self-explanatory. You know where you're at in your life. Chris is going to lead us in a song. If you need to come to this altar this morning, come. Let's reestablish First Burner Ministry today, okay? First Burner Ministry is it's always on and God is always on it because he's got to be the hot one in my life. He's got to be the one who's boiling in my life all the time. He's got to be the one that's getting my attention because when I give God all my attention, everything else, my career, my family, my hobbies, whatever I'm going to do will be the best that it can be because God is number one. So as Chris sings, you come so we can pray with you.